share together about restoring deeper hope. Another title might be this, How to Do More Than Just Survive in Suffering. I want you to come with me back to a desert, back to the first desert. What are you doing? We're going to a desert. What are you doing? Thank you. 
the scripture that I that I shepherd in said that God gave water graciously, but we don't know biblically, or do we know biblically, how all of these Israelites and all of their animals, they lots of animals, and they were they weren't there were trees and green grass. They were in a arid desert. How did they get water? I'd like us to look at 1 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 4. And this says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink. But they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Okay, so it seems that the Apostle Paul is saying here, that they were drinking water from a physical rock, but it was also a spiritual rock. And he uses the words that the rock followed them. All right, let's look at another passage. Psalm 78, verses 14 through 16. Then he led them with the cloud by day, and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them abundant drink like the ocean depths. He brought forth streams also from the rock and caused waters to run down like the rivers. So these biblical passages say that perhaps there was something that followed them, that there was a rock that caused waters to run down like rivers. And so my husband and I began to look um, and find out what theologians said about this possible rock. Anthony Thistleton, a former head of theology at Nottington University, said this. Well, let me tell you first what he did. He wrote a massive technical commentary on the Greek text, and he says that the rock was a literal rock that followed them, but it typologically pointed to Christ. Henry Alford, who's famous for his five-volume commentary on the Greek New Testament, said it is hardly possible here, without doing violence to the words and construction, to deny that the Apostle Paul has adopted the tradition current among the Jews that the rock followed the Israelites in their journeyings and gave forth water all the way. 
where he was a professor at Westminster Seminary, said the simple and, as I see it, incontestable fact that Paul's statement is evidence of the existence of a movable well, tradition of some sort, as early as the first century A.D. What all of these sources share is a description of a mobile source of water. So the more my husband Jody and I studied, the more we came to believe that there was a real rock, not a fake rock, like CJ and I brought with us in her car, but a real rock of some sort that really followed the Israelites. And as I shared this with some friends as we were studying, they said, well, but I've never heard a lot of people talk about that. And I said, is that any harder to, to believe than manna falling, falling, falling from heaven or from quail for this many people disappearing? Not any harder to believe at all. And they definitely needed water. And ladies, we need water. We need living water. And Jesus said that he came to bring living water to us. I hope that those of you who have traveled from other countries, if you have not seen the chosen yet, that you will try to see it while you're here because uh, it puts light and kind of colors in many of the scriptures. And one of them is the woman at the well because she literally starts dancing and is so excited when Jesus says to her that he is giving living water. In John 4.10, Jesus said to the woman at the well, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And ladies, our God is the God of living water. And he's here today to pour refreshment over each one of you. Look with me at John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. It's really interesting when you start looking through the Bible at everything that is said about water. In John 37, on the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He 
he believes in me as the scripture says from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water but this is spoke of the scripture the spirit who had not yet but this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive for the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified so when John told he gave living water and told the woman at the well that she would never thirst again and that's what he's given to us in John 7 he said by the blessed holy spirit who lives within each of us that this living water would come flowing out of us to others i love to think that the living water started back in the desert and that it was just continually flowing as part of the miraculous way that God displayed himself and that God wants to pour himself through you and me to others some of us don't feel very much like hope is flowing out of us for others why do we lack hope because we're exhausted because we've been by the power of the holy spirit pouring out so much and we haven't been refreshed because there's been no time for refreshment we have a lack of hope because of problems because of pain because of pressure if we went around this room and every single one of you said what your problem pain and pressure was right now we would have a long list we would have a long list and where do we go for hope where where do we find hope ladies hope comes from two places and both of them are found in Romans 15 In Romans 15 verse 4 it says that hope comes from the scriptures. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance in the encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope. And so when I have problems, pain and pressure 
the first place I go is to God's word because I know that I'm going to get his perspective and not my circumstances perspective. In Romans 15, 4, and I love this verse, 15, 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Some of you are saying, I know this is true, and this is what I do. I go to the Word. I go to the Lord. I say, Holy Spirit, I need that living water, that gift that Jesus gave, and I want it to flow into me, and I want it to flow out of me. Yes, I know this is true. Some of you are saying, I'm experiencing that now. Some of you are saying, I know it's true, but I'm not experiencing it now. And my life feels very different. And if this is where you are, I grieve with you because hopeless is a very hard place to be. And I hope that your hope is being revived by being here. Because that is our desire. Yesterday I I shared a quote from A.W. Tozer that is one I turn to to help me focus on the important thing, God, instead of my circumstances, and I want you to think about it again. What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Tozer said something else. Now this one sounds old saying. The woman who comes to a right belief about God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. All right, that obviously is an exaggeration but he's trying to make a point. When we come to a right belief about God, our problems turn, unfortunately, look different. So ladies, it looks like this. There are problems, and they lead to no hope. A right belief about God relieves us of 10,000 problems. And we find a right belief about God in His Word. My husband knows Hebrew, so I get to learn what fun words 
in the Old Testament mean? And one of my favorites, favorite is that the word chokma, wisdom, means skill. And we think when we have a skill, a skill of playing the piano or a skill of cooking exotic food. But my definition of wisdom, chokmah, is taking the knowledge that I have about God and applying it in a skillful way that life might be lived as a thing of beauty. And ladies, this is very important to do when pain and pressure and problems come upon us. How can we take the knowledge we have about God and apply it in a skillful way that we can live life as a thing of beauty? When pressure blasts into my life, when it blasts into your life, how can anybody live with hope in their hearts. Ladies, we have to. We have to align ourselves with God and His perspective. Because if we don't, we're going to spiral down. And the spiral looks like this. First, we spiral to doubt. Why would God let this happen? And from doubt, we go to discouragement. It feels like this is never going to end. From discouragement, we go to despair. I feel like giving up. I just feel like giving up. And from despair, we go to depression. Maybe I will give up. Some of you are at a crossroads, and nobody knows that you're at a crossroads but God. And you have a choice to make. I was at this crossroads during the last two years. The pandemic was very, very difficult for every one of us, especially for those of you living in very lonely places. I wasn't living in a lonely place. I was in Colorado Springs, filled with other missionaries, filled with friends. But Christmas of 2019, my daughter Robin called and said that she had cancer. Christmas of 2020, my daughter Joy called and she had cancer. So I had two daughters with cancer. I had my own personal pandemic in the middle of the pandemic. One was in California, one was in New Jersey. And I had my bags packed to go be with my daughter in New Jersey when she was going through chemo 
we were leaving at four in the morning to go up to the Denver airport on my seminar card the night before. This was in March of 2020. And he said, the doctor just called and said, even if you get on the plane, you won't be allowed in our house. Because evidently this pandemic is going to be much worse than everybody thinks. And Robin's going to be isolated in her room. We aren't going to be allowed in the room, and you won't be allowed in the house. Then my oldest son, who is the head of a private school in New Jer- in Connecticut, called and said, Mom, Dad, I've been studying about this disease, and you guys are in the elderly group. And I said, excuse me. I said, you know, when I'm 90, you can call me elderly. And he said, no, I have had to study this for the school, and it is really going to be dangerous. And you are declared elderly. And, and as far as this virus, and you are not to fly on the plane. And he said, I'm asking you, please don't get on the plane tomorrow. I said, but Penny, my sister needs it. I want to go be with her. Mom, please don't get on the plane. He said, well, the doctor said you can't even go in the house. So I did what every self-respecting mom would do. I went and sat by my suitcases and cried and cried and cried. And I wasn't able for months and months to fly to New Jersey. My heart hurts so much. My daughter Joy in California was diagnosed with liver and pancreatic cancer. She went to be with the Lord March 2021. And as both my daughters were struggling with cancer, and as we knew that Joy might not live, I had to make a choice. Was I going to spiral down? Or was I going to align myself with God? And was I going to ask Him to give me His perspective? I love my children. I love my daughters. And so I said, God, how do I align myself with you? What do I do? So this is what I did, ladies. I wrote out a declaration of hope. And this was my declaration of hope. Number one, I declare to God, God, don't waste my pain. God, don't waste it. 
Number two. Father. You know I've studied Romans 5, 3 through 5, and you say there that we are to rejoice in our trials because you say we will use them in our lives to find out that you are going to build perseverance and character and hope and that hope will not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God, I don't want to stay the same. So will you please use this time to build perseverance and character and hope in my life. And God, thirdly, Abba, Father, I just thank you for what you said and what you have prayed over me in Second Corinthians two, Second Corinthians one, verses three and four. You are the God of all comfort, the God of all mercy. And you say that you will comfort me. God, thank you that you are comforting me. I still hurt so much. But thank you that you're comforting me. And God, you say here that you will take the comfort with which you're comforting me and you will comfort others with it. God, I ask you to do that. Comfort me. Comfort me and use me to comfort others. This was my declaration of faith. And on my knees, I would go over it with my God. I told you that God has given me the privilege to lead a Bible study with women leaders in Ukraine during the last month. And I told them that my pain was different from their pain. I said, but my pain has been excruciating just as your pain is excruciating. And I told them about writing my declaration of faith before the Lord. And I asked them to write a declaration of faith to God. And to send, if they were willing, and if they wanted to, to send it to Oksana, my translator, in Ukraine. And just to give you a picture of these women's lives, Oksana and her husband and daughter are living on the border of Poland, still in Ukraine, in a house with no water. And um, I love women. I love to see what women do. And Oksana, because she is acting as a translator over Zoom, and her husband is a tech and could connect 
her, even though they don't have water and hardly any electricity, he could set her up to do this. She's in this house that isn't hers. Behind her, on the Zoom, there are all these hearts that she's put up on the wall. Hearts, and I, the first time I just had these tears, I thought, this is what we do as women. We bring beauty out of ashes. And this is what Oksana was doing there. And she translated so this Bible study is possible. And Lena, who I don't know, she was one of the little pictures on Zoom, sent her declaration of hope. I'd like to read it to you. It's from Romans 12, 11 through 13. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Lord, help me to be comforted by hoping you that I don't get weary in fervor when I'm dismayed seeing people suffering. In this tribulation, help me be patient so that I see what you want me to learn. Help me be constant in prayer for the country and people to intercede for those perishing. Help me participate in the needs of your saints so that the world would see love among your children. So when I have pain and pressure in my life, It has been there. God had me go to his word with some of the favorite sayings from A.W. Tozer and to write my declaration of hope to him. And then I go to the psalm. is right in the middle of this prophetic book of Jeremiah, and we discovered this short poem contrasting the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. And I have to share with you, because my husband told me I had to, 
I changed the scripture from man to woman because I'm a woman and I am talking to women. So just know that I tinkered with the word of God. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 and 6. Ladies, why don't you read this out loud with me? Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the woman who trusts in mankind and makes flesh her strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For she will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness. Okay. Was this woman um, a believer in God or not? Okay, when we see the word cursed, we immediately think no, but heart turned away from the Lord. Uh, so I would say it's very possible that she had been one and she made a choice to trust in mankind and what did that look like to trust in mankind? To trust in herself. It was to make her flesh her strength and because of that, her heart turned away from the Lord. Well, I'll stand here and say certainly that doesn't apply to any of us because we're missionaries, right? We read passages like that and we just discount them because, I mean, we have laid down our lives for the Lord. Um, I was overseas 18 years, but... I wasn't a real missionary like many of you who live at the end of roads, at the end of nowhere. I mean, I lived in cities. I wasn't a real missionary. But we've laid our lives down. We've laid our lives down. You know, the more I've looked at passages like this, um, I think about myself and how God has changed me um, because I grew up with a wonderful mother and an abusive alcoholic father and I learned to control everything because my home life was totally out of control. And when I became a Christian at age 20, I took all of my controlling strategies into my Christian life and I thought God was very lucky to have me because I was very good at controlling people and controlling situations. I was very good. So wasn't he? He was blessed to have me. And I began to realize that that wasn't the way the Christian world, the Christian life worked. And he has so much work to do on me because in pain and pressure, 
and problems, it was too easy to revert to old ways of trying to figure things out myself or trying to help Bob or trying to fix the situation. Even when I know, even when I knew all of the verses about questions. But ladies, we do not want to do that in even a little tiny way because of the result. Look at this picture. This is a house that is totally taken over because it's in the stony waste. See? I can't even believe that's a house. It's almost hidden because the swirling what do you call them? There are a lot of them in Texas. Timberweed. The t- this is a timberweed house now. It's totally covered it up. So we do not want to be like this. We don't want to trust in ourselves, in control, strategies, in our own intelligence, in our own manipulation at all. We don't ever want to make our own flesh our strength. All right. Blessed is the woman who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For she will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Amplified Bible translates that most blessed is the woman who believes in, trusts in, and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confidence the Lord is. That's who we want to continue to grow to be. And here's a picture of this kind of woman. She's a tree by the water. The water is in her, the living water, the drip from God. And she's even leaning over looking for more water because she knows how much she needs the living water. And there's two results in this blessed woman's life. It says, Jamie, you can go ahead and put that up. Jimmy. There's no fear when the heat comes, when there's problems and pressures and pains come down and your leaves stay green. There's no anxiety in a year of drought. And you will continue to bear fruit. 
issue with those two no's as I walked through two years of cancer? Was there absolutely no fear? Of course there were times of fear. But ladies, God did allow my leaves to stay green. Was there no anxiety at all? In the long time of drought, God did enable me to continue to bear fruit. He is a gracious and an amazing God. He held me up when I could hardly walk. And he wants to do that for you. And I want to encourage you, whatever your situation, to consider writing your declaration of hope today. So may I pray for you? Abba, Father, thank you that you are our Father. Thank you that you comfort us. Thank you that you are the God of our mercy. Thank you that you understand pain, not painful. And that you will hold us and embrace us and carry us and give us the courage. Lord, will you encourage each of your precious daughters here? And if you think that it would bring them hope to write a declaration of hope, would you show them what goes in their declaration of hope? Thank you, God, that your name is hope. We love you, we adore you, and we worship you.